maybe Georgia's going to win. Maybe Georgia's not going to win. But they're playing a team that is engaged. That's a hard thing to find generally in bowl season. But this year, it's really hard to find because most teams are just exhausted and want the season to be over. So to me, I feel like this is like a, a not only is it a gift to be able to watch a game, it's a gift to be able to watch this in particular game. This is the triple header, basically, for bowl day. This leads into the next semifinal game. I think this game is going to be really fun, really kind of no matter what happens. What's up, Georgia football fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 262 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. This is the Peach Bowl preview show. Yes, the first game, I think, yeah, it is the first game of 2021 because it's a noon kickoff between the Georgia Bulldogs and Cincinnati Bearcats. This is the third ever matchup between the Dogs and the Bearcats. Uh, Georgia has won the previous two, and we get into that during this podcast in our uh, trivia section. But I'm joined, as usual, by my two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, and we got together via Zoom on this last podcast of the 2020 year and the first game of the 2021 season. You could look at it that way. Nevertheless, hope you enjoy the show. Sit back, enjoy yourself, whether you're on a run or if you're sitting in the car or if you're sitting on the couch with a nice bourbon in your hand. We're glad you picked us today. And uh, yeah, I'm going to let Will go ahead and kick us off. So, hey guys, how's everybody doing? How was your Christmas? It was fine. <laughs> we, uh... We're on Zoom. Can people notice that we're on Zoom? I guess we're doing our individual audio. You can't hear crickets. So oh, you'll know. be able to hear Tony's crickets. Yeah, I'm outside. Oh, okay, yeah. that's true. It's winter I, feel like, I feel like Jason Kirk a little bit out here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, except yeah. I'm not in Kennesaw, so I don't have my gun. Um, but, yeah, so you know, Christmas was fine. I trust it was for y'all. Um, we, uh... Yeah. We uh, we lost internet uh, uh, at ten thirty on Christmas Eve, and was without internet until uh, about two o'clock on Sunday afternoon. So I have kids, and I still like them. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> and I think they still like you, me. You, it's kind of weird. Yeah, you had like a forty eight hour stretch where you were uh, worn out from your kids, but actually feeling good about the planet. Uh, being yeah. out, being away from the internet, will uh, will do that to a person. We played a lot of Unstable Unicorns, which is a board game. If you've never played it, I would not. Um, it is uh, it's, it's, it's big among the 14-year-old crowd. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I kind of grew up at Christmas because I got two gifts that I really love. I got a pair of readers that my wife gave me that make me not only it helps me see my phone – so much better, but it makes me look a whole lot smarter and intellectual. And Jennifer said hipster as well. Oh, so okay. I, uh, I'm, I'm in 2021. I'm going to go with the hipster look with the glasses, whatever you call these types of rims on it. And then uh, my second favorite gift was uh, my in-laws gave me an air fryer. And Lord have mercy, we've used that. We've used. I almost said son of a bitch. We've used that three <laughs> or four times uh, in the past 48 hours. It is amazing. <laughs> it's probably just basically like a small convection oven, but I That's love the term air fryer and, you know. I use it nearly every morning. I get up and make – Aldi has these fried chicken patties that the kids love on biscuits, so I'll throw some of those in there and, and some hash browns and go to town. Love it. And, Will, your Christmas was – um, I mean, you know, it was uh, Alexa's mom and my parents uh, were already in the bubble, so we uh, we all were able to spend it together. Uh, it was fine, you know. Christmas is—I've uh, definitely noticed it's probably not a uh, uh, every year 
uh, Christmas for like the first Tuesdays. There are no demands to be made of my wife in any way, shape, or form. You are not to directly address her. You are just to let her rest. <laughs> and I feel like that sums up Christmas uh, pretty well. It went fine. It was good. I, uh, I did not uh, get uh, world peace, as I've been asking. Uh, f- uh, never. <laughs> Screw that. That's never happening. Uh, but uh, it was good. It was very positive. The Leech Boys... Uh, my my son, I don't know if you guys know this, but my son is a diehard Cleveland Browns fan because of Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is his favorite player, uh, and so he has he has Cleveland Browns stuff everywhere. I have a lot of friends that are Cleveland Browns fans who think this was a cruel thing to do to your to do to your son, but he got a lot of Cleveland Browns trip, uh, stuff, including uh, Santa brought him a certificate. Santa found clip art. I don't know how he did that. But Santa found clip art and a certificate that made it clear that uh, gifted him a trip to a Cleveland Browns game with his father at uh, sometime next fall. So uh, my son is the uh, I'm raising a boy who wants to spend Christmas and spend a weekend as holiday vacation in Cleveland. So uh, that's 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 what that's what he'll be doing. But it's exciting. Uh, and, and of course, we celebrated that by the Browns having a completely crushing loss and reminding my Browns fans Friend, fan of friends, how stupid I am. Well, at least you're not uh, raising him a Falcon fan. <sighs> Falcons have been in the Super Bowl. Falcons have been in the true. Super Bowl. Browns have never been in the Super Bowl. You don't and, have um, proof of that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's no, true. you actually saw it. Person. I was there. I was there, man. I was sitting next to Terrence Moore. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I also found out um, uh, I, I, I decided, for the record, I did have the possibility of getting a press pass for the national championship game this year, but I've decided not to go. I've decided not to go. Uh, I could have went. I bought my ticket to the flight to Miami in February of last year, thinking, why in the world would I not go to this? And uh, now I thought about still going, but I went ahead and canceled the Airbnb. Uh, I think if Georgia were in this mix, I probably would have went ahead and pushed it and tried to figure it out. But uh, I have literally watched Alabama and Clemson play in the national championship game enough in person to have lost any novelty to do it with like 10,000 sad fans and a bunch of uncomfortable people massed in a press box. Uh, I, I'll, I'll wait till next year. Hopefully next year it's not Alabama and Clemson. I think it, where is it? Is it in, where is it the championship next year? I'll look I, it up, it's some, I think it's off the grid. I think it's like Tampa or somewhere. Yeah, I'll look it up. I'll yeah, see it, been, it was in Tampa a couple years ago, so well, maybe that was that was the that was the year that was the year that that uh, Clemson almost won. Oh, okay, that Deshaun Watson almost got him. So while uh, while Chad looked that up, um, we do have a couple. Oh, uh, Indianapolis, don't miss out on oh. Indianapolis next year. That's but it's L A after that. It's the L A after year after that. Was yeah, fun. I mean Indianapolis is low key. It's yeah, it is low key is a, a great fun place. town. They yeah. know how to put on a big event oh. like this. I love events in Indianapolis. I'll be, I will be going to the Final Four this year. Of course, yeah. the whole tournament's going to be yeah, whole tournament uh, in Indianapolis this year. Uh, I highly, If you ever get a chance to go to any sort of event like that in Indianapolis, yeah. I highly recommend it. Everything is centrally located. You can walk everywhere. There's tons of places to, to drink and eat. You can't eat anything other than like huge burgers. <laughs> but uh, they're there, and, uh, and it's, it's well worth it. Yeah, I did Maybe the final four there when Butler was in. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should start with uh, the undefeated uh, Georgia basketball team. Men's Georgia. And yeah. the women's are still undefeated, aren't they? They are both undefeated. They are both undefeated. I think Georgia's had a couple. The women's team had a couple games canceled from COVID from the other teams. I think it's actually worth noting, by the way, uh, how much success, uh, knock on whatever, uh, that uh, Georgia programs in general have had with COVID compared to a lot of other schools. Now, uh, I think there is an understanding a little bit that – 
um, a lot of Georgia players had COVID over the summer, <laughs> had, had spring uh, over the summer, and, and fortunately were, were able to overcome it. But um, uh, they have not, I mean, you think about how many issues every other team, uh, so many other schools have had. Kelvin Sampson, the head coach of the Houston, the top five Houston basketball team, literally said flat out the other day, oh, we're not worried about COVID because every single player and coach has had it. Which is a weird thing to boast about. Yeah, we're flexed, also, dude. Yeah, but uh, um, but nevertheless, you know, I think uh, uh, I don't know how how much that's the case with Georgia or not. But they have not lost any game. Uh, the, the issues have never been Georgia uh, with, with any of these teams. But uh, yeah, Georgia is. I am probably more impressed right now with the women's team than the men's team. I think the men's team uh, they uh, uh, they're more fun. They are. This is the fun team that we were promised. I don't think they're incredibly talented, but they are fun. They run around. They strip. They play a little bit like a. Uh, one of those teams that doesn't really play defense and doesn't really run plays, but shoots crazy and tries to force turnovers. Those are not often good teams, but they're always fun to watch. And they haven't played anybody good yet, so uh, they haven't lost yet. But uh, they play their game, I believe, is uh, Wednesday. Their first SEC game is against Mississippi State. They are Ken Palm has them as a favorite in that game, and then the underdog, I think, in their next nine games. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, but nevertheless, uh, definitely a better. I watched their first game against Florida A and M when they were tied at halftime, and Florida A and M is one of the worst teams in college basketball. They've gotten a lot better since then. They're fun to watch if you get a chance to go. It's really hard. I I, I have my ticket plan. The, the Mississippi State game is not on my ticket plan, but I was looking around to see if there are any tickets in the resale market. There actually aren't very many. I think people are people that have them are just going. So uh, uh, and it's uh, but they're they're kind of a fun team. But the women's team, the women's team, I think actually like like will make the tournament and has like potential. Uh, I'm not sure about the men's team, but they're fun to watch, and that's not nothing. Well, yeah, I think the I think the men's team is exactly what you'd hope for. Uh, they've they've done two things. They're doing two things that, frankly, Queen's teams didn't do last year. Uh, Crean's team did not do last year and the year before is they are if they go on that 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 scoring drought that they usually go on they're playing better defense I wouldn't say great defense better defense and the other thing is they're not letting that scoring drought just drag the rest of the game down uh, that that end of that first half last week against Jack, who was it Jacksonville Northeastern, Northeastern yeah, yeah. Oh, that was ugly. They fell down like yeah. 20, they were down 20 points at one point, yeah. and they closed on a, like a 50 to 21 run. Yeah, they won they, by like 15. Yeah, 15. <laughs> they, like they, they won by like a yeah. 51 yeah. to 20 run at the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, and, that's you know, if you're going to play that kind of defense, that's what you got to be able to do. Um, and, I, you know, we've talked about this a couple times on the podcast, but uh, I think this is the team – this team would not have done that if Anthony Edwards was still on the team because they would have looked to Anthony Edwards to lift them up. And um, that's not – that didn't work last year. So yeah. they are fun. I, I, I also think Hammonds was a negative last year uh, for them in a lot of ways. Um, it's funny. Edwards, though, looks awesome. If you watch the Minnesota Timberwolves game so far, <laughs> he looks terrific. Uh, NBA people are like, oh, so this is why he was drafted. Uh, and when this, the whole thing about Edwards was always – you know what? When he's a rat, when he has to lift up a team, or he has to like play with people that don't have his natural abilities, uh, he's going to force it, and he's going to do too much. Uh, when he can play with the flow of the game and let his just let his athleticism do the trick for him, he looks great, and that's what he's been doing on Minnesota. So good, good for him. Uh, obviously, everybody benefits if Anthony Edwards turns out to be the NBA superstar. 
Yeah, I went to the Samford game. Uh, I think we talked about this on our last podcast, but they were literally down the entire game until um, who was it? it? Was Jackson Etter scored yeah. a yeah. basket, his only yeah. his only yeah. basket, and and put him ahead with like two minutes left. And uh, Justin Keir had probably about twenty points, but you know that was the game that Kamara was out. And yeah. watching him versus Cincinnati and Northeastern, you can see that he has definite star potential and you know I hope they can go far or they're, they're basically going to go as far as Kier can shoot and Kamara can can also you know he was draining some threes as well but uh I thought it was a lot of fun to kind of uh dovetail off your point about going to the games if, if anybody listening can get tickets to a game I went with my family and it, it was great uh you know you're spread out um it's grab and go uh concessions uh, the entertainment is still there. Uh, halftime, I was hoping to see Frisbee dogs or something, but there was nothing at halftime, but that was kind of a bummer. But, uh, but yeah, I think they're Georgia basketball, like any sport, especially during this pandemic, they're, you know, hats off to the administration, the athletic department. They're trying really hard, and they're, they're taking a lot of pride in what they're putting out there. Ushers are, and the ushers are going around and making sure you are wearing a mask. And they're all polite about it, for what it's worth. I think I think I think they're very polite. Yeah, yeah of course, of course, yeah. But I, and for the record, I, I'm glad they do that, and I think it's good that they do that. And uh, and I, I, again, my, I've, I've taken my father to games, and you know, the father, my father is probably the person I'm most worried about uh, in this pandemic. And uh, not only have we felt very safe. Uh, I it's been really really good for him to watch sports. <laughs> in right. person. Like my like it, just in all honesty, it's just good to it's good to just watch games. <laughs> it's honestly uh, a really good experience. It's not the same, obviously, but I uh, I think I've said this about sports in the pandemic across the board. Uh, the quality of sports, I, I, I'd say the NBA bubble was better than the NBA usually is. Uh, but other than that, the quality of sports, we've seen this in college football, like the, the season is dragging uh, to, to its conclusion. But um, the actual experience of appreciating getting to watch a game is something that uh, uh, I'm not – I've found myself – I will not take watching, for, watching sports for granted again. Because uh, those games are not as good, but it is still very, very good to watch them. Just to have moments in the middle of this pandemic, where, pandemic where we're all isolated, we're all never, nothing is normal, and nothing is the way we want it to be. To be like, to get excited, and yeah. to jump up and down, and to get like, and just the way the storyline of a game and the way that it flows and so on. To do that in person is something that we've all watching all these games on TV, but it's just not the same on television and i think uh, as someone that has always been a go to games don't just sit and watch them all on television person i found myself appreciating that even more i agree because you know actually getting to sit there and look across the coliseum at my wife and vivian who are sitting across from us way across and just seeing her with the shakers and getting yeah. excited uh, about it that that was really cool and um and yeah, I, I actually got a, a paper ticket, which if y'all know me, yeah. I'm the guy with the ticket table. And I was so glad to have a, a ticket stamp 2020 of a, of a game I went <laughs> yeah. to. The only game yeah. I've been to the yeah. entire year. Yeah, yeah. I oh. didn't know that. I, I, that hang on to that one. Yeah. Definitely put that one in yeah. the table. I miss that table, by the way. Right? Yeah, it's back here. I miss oh. your ticket for you. table. I miss your ticket table. Yeah. But hey, good. Listen, I, li- I liked uh, Scott when you put on Twitter about uh, wishing everybody happy holidays. And uh, I liked that. Uh, that it was like, "Hey, we'll see y'all fall twenty twenty one." Something mm. about that sounded 
sounded really, really nice. Yeah. So uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully we're going to see everybody at a book party in May 2021. But uh, but but we'll see because that will definitely be an invite the listeners. Yeah, friends, I, by the way. I'm going to wear. I'm going to wear. I'm going to be that if, guy wearing a Wilkins we T-shirt. So. That yeah, this they're everywhere. By the way, you can't get away from the Will Leach T-shirts. You know, with the the way that your um, I was going to say album art, your book cover art looks. Mm-hmm. You, that would be really cool for like a retro looking T-shirt. The way that that kind of oh. works, I, I think that might be a smart move. I'd All wear right, it. I'll keep that. In mind. I'll talk yeah. to the marketing team. Yeah. But uh, so hey, uh, there's a football game on uh, on on Saturday, and guys, guys. Um, uh, I think like counts. Yeah, right. To me, like it is hard, uh, and I know, that, and I and I know that there's a lot of other things to talk about. And I know opt-outs are a whole thing. We can talk about the whole strategy for bowls. That I think, I think Seth Emerson, everybody drink, had a really good piece about this about how Kirby Smart's strategy about bowls has changed ever since the Texas debacle, <laughs> and uh, and I think that I think it's smart, but. And just to, to to review it, it's basically the idea like, you know what, we're just going to concentrate on the people that want to be here and be ready to play. And like the mistake then was like Fields wasn't playing, but he was there and there were some people that were invested. And that's not blaming Fields, but it was just that like some people – like the idea there were some people that are not really invested into the game. And when that happens, nobody's invested into the game. And I think that they saw last year a different result because of that. Because I think also history, did, it did not turn out that Texas was back. <laughs> and that was not like a great Texas team. And so it, I think Georgia had more to do with that. And so it will be really interesting. I think this bowl game is a lot more interesting than last year's or two years ago. Uh, because, A, Cincinnati is obviously very engaged uh, for this game. Uh, I think it's a really interesting test for Georgia and Smart. And, and frankly, the depth. Uh, of these uh, of Georgia's program, that vaunted death we've been talking about, because uh, you know if Georgia is in, I think Georgia will be engaged in this game. And Cincinnati will be very engaged. I think that could lead some, to something pretty fun. Yeah, I think we're in a situation with this game in particular that you are. Um, I mean, Kirby has, has said this: we're we want to start looking at what we have for next year, and no one views this game. Well, no one on the Georgia team, I hope, views this game as a throwaway game. But you do have the opportunity to get game reps in a high-leverage situation, a a big-time situation. Because this is the last game they're going to play before they tee up against Clemson, knock on wood, tee up against Clemson in Charlotte in, in the end of August. And you have a situation where the pieces seem to be falling in place for kind of a cool team, uh, you know, with Trey McKitty now leaving. Um, you still end up with uh, the big O, um, you know, Fitzpatrick uh, at tight end. All those receivers, including Dominic Blaylock, going to be back next year. JT Daniels looks like he's good. I don't know if you watched the uh, Prince Avenue game this afternoon, but Brock Brandegrift looked really good, and, and they won the state championship for uh, uh, single-A private schools. Um, and then – it's interesting to me that some of the guys that could leave, Olajari and Jordan Davis, are going to play. LeCount coming back and trying to play. That tells me a good thing. That tells me a good thing about the mindset of this team. Uh, they are not. They don't view this as a throwaway season, as as glorified practice or whatever. Uh, but I, I think it does speak to the stakes that Kirby views, not just for this season 
and trying to combat whatever narrative there might be about, you know, Cincinnati this or Cincinnati that or, you know, Georgia not wanting to be there. You know, and I think the other good thing about this is the fact that Cincinnati is undefeated. They are excited. They are, you know, kind of feeling like the little brother in this. It's much better than Georgia, say, if they were matched up against UNC and the Peach Bowl, you know, a two or three loss UNC. Uh, you know, I, I like the fact that you saw Coastal Carolina. They were feeling like they were going or people were thinking, hey, are they going to claim a national title when they win? And they got beat. And I love that because that's college football. And I love the, the storyline that Georgia, you know, even with all the opt outs and everything, they've got this uh, punchy Cincinnati team coming in thinking that they're going to, you know, pull the rug out from under Georgia. And yeah, they have. Their total offense is 467 yards a game. Uh, they have a really good defense. It's really strength on strength for, for both sides of the ball. But, um, you know, this is what's fun. I mean, I'm definitely going to be tuning in, on, not that I wouldn't have, but, you know, at noon on, on January 1st. And, you know, the, the thing is I was kind of doing some research for uh, this podcast uh, you, know, you, you look at Cincinnati. They, they've got one of the top dual threat quarterback in the nation. And, you know, I was looking at the recruiting rankings because, okay, Cincinnati is undefeated. They're feeling themselves a lot. But we just had signing day or the first one. And George has been touted with all these signing classes. And so I'm wondering who's playing on the field. And so I looked it up and went back to 2018. George's recruiting ranking in 2018 was number one. Uh, according to 24-7 Sports. Cincinnati's was 49. 2019, Georgia was ranked 2. Cincinnati had, a, had the 66th ranked recruiting class. 2020, Georgia's 1. Cincinnati is 41. And although these students aren't here yet, Georgia's just finished 3rd. Cincinnati's 44th. So basically, is Luke Fickle coaching up a bunch of 3-stars? Yeah. And it's very interesting to me to see, will Georgia just dust these guys? Or are they playing kind of like a, a good mid-major basketball team in March Madness with a bunch of seniors who are under-recruited and they can beat a Duke or a Kentucky or something like that? So that's what's fascinating to me about this game. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, the difference between this and basketball, you know, is that um, the difference between a three-star recruit in basketball and a three-star, five-star recruit in basketball and then in football is the one in football can just push you around for three hours if they, if they want to. And I think that's, you know... Uh, I don't think any, no matter what happens this game, nothing is an indictment of anything. But certainly it would be a good case to make to be like, hey, you know the idea of stacking class on class on class on class is if you have to play your second guys, they could still beat the team that two years ago their recruiting class was below Illinois. Okay? Like that's, that's the team that George is playing right now. And that doesn't mean that Fickle hasn't done a good job with them. But like, listen, you don't. I think this is a different conversation with than should Cincinnati have been in the playoff. I think this is a different conversation of because listen, I think you can make an argument that Cincinnati should have been in the playoff over Notre Dame. I think you can make that argument. It is also worth noting that I think if Cincinnati played Notre Dame, Notre Dame would win. <laughs> and so, if you are of that school, uh, I don't. I'm not sure that is necessarily relevant to the fact that I think they should have picked Cincinnati because a um, since uh, Notre Dame is. Uh, uh, it's a retread that uh, no one actually trusts at all. Everyone just saw it get wiped out. It would be fun to see Cincinnati play a team like that. And also, you want to, you know, reward teams for going undefeated rather than, you know, not going undefeated. It's more exciting and more general. It would be more fun to see Cincinnati be in there. I think they earned it more than Notre Dame did. 
That said, Cincinnati would probably lose to Notre Dame, and I think Georgia is better than Notre Dame, to be entirely honest with you, particularly the way they're playing right now. And I think what you're talking about, what you were talking about a moment ago, Tony, which is the idea of seeing all the guys that seem bought in and don't consider this a lost season. I think the proof of that is if that were true, they could have seen this as a lost season in mid-November. They could have seen this as uh, the end of after the Florida game as saying, forget it, we're done here. Uh, Not only were they not doing that, they were desperately trying to find someone to play the last week when Vanderbilt couldn't. Uh, and, And... in many ways, there the Georgia, what Georgia has going on, and what I think is what's interesting about this game is Cincinnati is the same way. There are very few programs that are amped for football right now. Most people are exhausted. Basketball, <laughs> Most yeah. Most people are exhausted. It's been a very difficult year. Missouri just had a couple COVID cases and said, "Forget it, we're not playing our bowl game." Everyone's having like, it's just not a good. Everyone's staggering to the finish line. This is a even the playoff itself feels not particularly inspiring. Georgia, however, has played its best football leading up to this and has been desperate to play a game. And Cincinnati is having basically the Dayton season <laughs> that, they had, that, that, that they had in basketball a couple of years ago. This is, you know, this is their year uh, that they feel everything's falling exactly right for them. That makes it, uh, I, I agree with you, Scott, this is so much better than if they're playing uh, uh, Coastal Carolina or Tony, you said North Carolina. So like, this is so much better than that because yeah, maybe Georgia's going to win, maybe Georgia's not going to win. But they're playing a team that is engaged. That's a hard thing to find generally in bowl season, but this year it's really hard to find because most teams are just exhausted and want the season to be over. So to me, I feel like this is like a, a not only is it a gift to be able to watch a game, it's a gift to be able to watch this in particular game. This is the triple header basically for a bowl day. This leads into the next semifinal game. I think this game is going to be really fun, really kind of no matter what happens. Yeah, I think it's interesting, Will, that you brought up um a game a couple of weeks ago saying this is kind of we'll maybe probably we'll probably look back at this game as a pivotal game in the Kirby Smart era. I, I think this is part of that too, for that very reason. You know, if we were going to go play I mean, if we're gonna go play North Carolina, eh, or you know, there uh, is it Cunningham's already opted out, maybe, or whoever it was, they've already had players opt out. Florida, oh boy, they're going to face Oklahoma. Tony Pitts Marco Wilson and Ishu, they've all already opted out. And um, Ishu opted out. Uh, so the Ishu got out of there ahead of Ishu, time. Ishu, Ishu just flew 20 yards down the field. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I, think, I think you bring up a great point, Will, that I had not considered until we jumped on the podcast, is that I think it benefits Georgia to have an engaged opponent here uh, because it gives Kirby and his coaching staff coaching opportunities uh, and the opportunity to really um, to, to be able to compare where they are with where they want to be. Uh, and we'll get into some game analysis in a minute, but I, before you start saying, it's just Cincinnati, this is a really good Cincinnati team, extraordinary well-coached Cincinnati team. I, I'm surprised Luke Fickle's still there um, because he's done consistently a good job at, at Cincinnati. He's been there since what? 15, 16, he's been, he's been there, there since he took over for uh, for what's his face? Urban? Uh, or, no, he took uh, over for Tuberville. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, I was, and, yeah. I was, um, but he coached Ohio State interim, didn't he? Yeah, he, yeah, he, that he, one he, year, he, just the one year. Yeah. Then he went the back to being co defensive coordinator. Was defensive coordinator? Yeah, right? and, and 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 I think there was, and he, for record, he coached them very well that year. I thought, and I think really built his name up. Yeah, I think he really built his name up that year, and you're seeing the results of that. I mean. 
Well, we have not talked about Hey Bert yet, uh, and we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, there's everybody understands that Illinois immediately called Fickle first, and he said he turned down Michigan State last year. He wasn't going to take Illinois if he turned down Michigan State, and so. But like he is the. I mean, next he played year, Ohio like, State. You got to think at this point. He's hoping Brian Day takes an NFL job. I guess I don't yeah, know. I guess so. That that or he's he's waiting for a Michigan. A Michigan oh. would be a possibility. Ooh. And uh, that would be that like Spurrier going to coach at Georgia. If I would, if I was Michigan, I would do that in a half a second. Wouldn't even think about it. Oh, oh, man. I'd back the Brinks truck up. And so, like, clearly, like, that's like he's not going to Illinois. He's not going to Michigan State. A guy like Fickle's going to Michigan. He's going to one of those schools. And I think it makes a lot of sense for him to wait for that. But the point is, that's the kind of coach you're dealing with here. Like, this is not, you know, this is not a, uh, um, you know, this is a guy, this is an up and comer potential superstar sort of coach. Uh, just because Illinois, uh, Georgia, I said Illinois again, sorry. Uh, I'm just thinking of my uh, awesome Illinois basketball team that I can't stop talking about right now. Uh, G- uh, Georgia right now um, has all, has a lot more talent than Cincinnati, but man, he's got it going. Like, it's, like he really has this team going right now uh, and, and to, a, to a degree that, uh, and I, for the record, I don't, I think that, I think this speaks to another thing about this. I think that Kirby Smart and Georgia has been so desperate to play a game because they've been hot. The, the, the season has been the most fun at the end. And yeah. so they really wanted to play Vanderbilt. They really wanted to play whoever they could. The idea that they've got a real opponent that is as eager to beat Georgia. And to, I mean, this is what they want, right? This is all Cincinnati would hope for. What if they can't get in the playoff is to be able to knock off a perennial power. And uh, and frankly, that's why it would be a trap game in a lot of ways for Georgia. Because if this team was not engaged, it would be a. I mean, look look how much crap Kirby Smart got after they lost to Texas, and that was Texas. Like, imagine how much he's going to get if they lose to Cincinnati. It's a huge trap game for them, which I think speaks well to how prepared and ready they seem to be for this. A couple things that Georgia is going to need to look out for is uh, if you would have. Uh, been given a guess at uh, which team had a first team All American. Um, you wouldn't have guessed Cincinnati, but they their quarterback Ahmad Gardner uh, was first team All American. And then, like we said, their quarterback Desmond Ritter, he's the AAC Offensive Player of the Year. He was the AAC Title Game MVP. <laughs> so I think that you know those two players alone uh, will definitely get uh, Kirby and, and Dan Lanning's attention. Um, you know, playing this game. But, you know, really, it, you know, I, I was, as again, as I was kind of looking at all this, you know, you look at Cincy's schedule. They, the, the thing is, Georgia played nine games. Cincinnati played nine games. The, the, one of the things I, I thought that was interesting was Tulsa, they ended up playing them last. That game was literally canceled twice or three times, postponed once. It, it took, them, took them all season to just to play Tulsa. Um, but they played one ranked team, and that was Army when they when they played them. Um, you know, you've got the the run of the mill, USF, SMU, Memphis. They played Austin P uh, to begin the year, but then compare that to a to a nine game SEC schedule, which is what Georgia played. Um, you know, Georgia's battle tested. They're ready. You know, the defense uh, matches up pretty much the same. But I think it's I think really. The tone has got to be set by Georgia's defense because the if I, from what I read at the Cincinnati Enquirer, if Ritter gets hot, 
He's pretty much unstoppable. Now, of course, granted, that's AAC opponents, but he's not. he wasn't just gifted uh, AAC Player of the Year. Um, I think the game is uh, initially won or lost uh, for Georgia on how their defense is going to handle um, you know, Ritter and the dual threat attack that they, uh, that they uh, are going to try to impose on Georgia. Scott, I'm glad you brought up Garner because that guy is he, – he earned All-American honors. I mean – I saw a stat today where the QBR when people target him is below what it would be if you simply threw the ball in the dirt. Like <laughs> he has essentially a negative QBR when quarterbacks go after him. Um, <clears throat> their defense is surprisingly good uh, because you you know you to the non to the to somebody that just like casually observes college football you're like oh AAC Cincinnati yeah the big high flying score they could you know run up and down the field it's like the Big Twelve of your and uh, Cincinnati earns their uh, earns their keep on the defensive side of the ball as much as their offensive side of the ball. Uh, but you are right about Ritter. He is probably the best dual uh, dual threat quarterback in the nation. He uh, he's second on the team in rushing yards uh, with half the rushes of their running back, um, and only like sixty yards fewer rushing. Uh, and um, but he also has uh, yeah, he he's thrown for. In the neighborhood of, of 2,000 yards this year, or maybe 2,100, um, and it's been super hot as of late, like 11 touchdowns and two interceptions the last four games. Uh, now, they also had a long break. You talked about that with Tulsa, uh, trying to get that Tulsa game played. Uh, they were off three weeks. And I wonder a little bit what that's going to do to Georgia being off three weeks. In a lot of ways, though, I think you plan around that just being a standard, at this point, it's being considered a standard bowl break. Um even though they, they did ramp up to play Vanderbilt a couple times, and at one point it looked like we could just play somebody random starting <laughs> learning on a Wednesday. Um, the, uh, the, uh, but I, I think I agree with you. Uh, a lot of people are going to make hay, and you'll hear a lot of noise over the next couple of days about uh, their passing game and Georgia needing to step up the passing game. They're, they're not going to try to take the lid off of you. They, I think, we're, we're second or third in the nation in yards after catch. Uh, that's because you know what they do offensively is that you, you just about have to spy Ritter, which means you're dropping, you're automatically taking someone out of coverage. Uh, usually that's going to be your, it's probably going to be your safety or middle linebacker, which means you're leaving the middle of the field open uh, or you're leaving somebody there to, to do cleanup tackling on a broken coverage. Uh, and that's going to, uh, Georgia's defense is going to set the tone. I, I think having Davis around, having LeCount around is going to be huge, especially with Monty Rice out uh, because. Guys, they run the wheel route, and uh, I, I'm sorry all of you just threw up in your mouths, but uh, <laughs> I think we have to face facts. The wheel route has been George's, uh, George's Achilles heel on defensive on the defensive side of the ball this, this season, um, and uh, you let them get that wheel route established. It's going to be a long day, and we're gonna you're going to want to throw your uh, you're going to want to throw your subscription to um, uh, you know all the national pundits and their hot takes out, out the window. If if we want to play some nerd stats, if we're done with some nerd stats, uh, yeah, always. At F- Football Outsiders, uh, they have uh, the, the, their rankings. Uh, first off, SMP Plus has Georgia eighth, excuse me, two, four, six, eighth, and Cincinnati fifth. And yeah. more to the point, uh, look at uh, Football Outsiders uh, defensive ra- defensive ratings. Here are their top six teams defensively: six Georgia, five Wisconsin, four. Iowa, three Cincinnati, two Northwestern, one Clemson. 
So those are good defenses. <laughs> like those are all legit. Like Cincinnati is like right in the middle of that. Like you can't like say, oh, well, they haven't faced anyone when they're when like they're literally right there with Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Clemson, was uh, and Georgia all considered these really good defenses. Now Georgia's had its own problems, I think, with the wheel route. Uh, but the point is, is this is a team that's playing above its head uh, talent wise, and I think that speaks to the coach. This is this is a tough. Game. I would argue. Uh, I think you can make an argument that this team is better than Texas was two years ago, and better than Baylor was last year. And I, I think certainly I more think motivated, you, and yeah. certainly uh, certainly better coached. Yeah. So and that's and so I think that's that's why this is such an interesting challenge, and this is why it's so much better than if they're playing Coastal Carolina or if they're playing North Carolina or any of those. This is this and and it's why if this doesn't go well for Georgia, and we'll get into whether we would think it will or whether it won't. Uh, I don't feel like it's some horrible. Ref, I think it's some referendum on Kirby Smart not having his players motivated. Particularly now, if Georgia goes out and loses by twenty, yes, he did not have his guys uh, motivated for this game. But this feels. Uh, like a like, I wouldn't say an even matchup, but I'd say a lot closer to even than I think. Uh, if you're just like, oh, Cincinnati, that's that's the AC team. Uh, they're uh, uh, they're not all the way there. I think that clearly this is a good team. Yeah, and I think um, I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking at those stats earlier. The SP Plus, um, Brian Freeman's numbers uh, were, were George's little head, and then uh, there's another place I call the Beta Ranker. I like to check out. Um, SP Plus has us in the neighborhood of a point and a half dog. Uh, they uh, the Beta Ranker has us in the neighborhood of a three point dog, uh, and it's exactly uh, exactly what you said. Their offense has been um, has been I wouldn't say wouldn't say superb, but it's been good. Uh, and offensively, Georgia and Cincinnati rank fairly closely together uh, on the season. SP Plus and all those advanced metrics, uh, you know, taking into account efficiencies and um, success and things like that. Uh, defensively, we're very close, but I think the the, the difference is, is that Georgia basically has, uh, and you're probably screaming at your podcast player about this. Georgia Georgia's offense has been a tale of two seasons, and uh, I think anybody that wants to say Georgia's offense pre Florida or Florida and before is the same as Georgia's offense now, just hadn't paid attention. And if you want to con- even conflagrate the two, despite the competition. You're just not paying attention, uh, and, and the I think stats that don't is, know that. The stats don't know that. Yeah, the stats don't know that, right? They they measure a whole season, uh, and that. But that is also one of the things that gives me, um, you know, it's keeping me from being pretty dour about our chances in this game. Frankly, is it because if I'm just looking at advanced stats, this game is a push, and that's looking at favorably to Georgia, uh, and that is uh, that's a weird place to be playing a program from the AAC, considering you know three or a month ago we were still trying to figure out ways to make the national championship. And, you know, a lot, we've already made a lot about the fact that they're, you know, it's probably frustrating being a Cincinnati fan because you're having one of those seasons, you know, equivalent to what Georgia did in 2017. And it's the COVID year and things are weird. And you got left out of the playoff uh, by the skin of a toothbrush, as Larry Munson would say. Um, But if you look at the both programs since 2018, Cincinnati's record is 31 and 5. Georgia's record is 30 and 7. So it's not like they are new to this. They've been dominating opponents uh, for the past couple years. In fact, in 2019, they beat UCLA. They beat Boston College in their bowl game. They lost 42 0 to Ohio State. Um, but then if you go back to 2018, also, 
They beat UCLA twice in that home-and-home. And they beat Virginia Tech in a bowl game. So I mean, against Power 5 opponents in the past couple seasons, they're 4-1. and one. So uh, I, you know, I think what we've done in the first 20 minutes of this game analysis is, you, you, dear listener, you should be respecting Cincinnati. And I think that that's why you've heard such a serious tone out of Athens this week from uh, Kirby and, and all the quotes that he's been given uh, on, on the program. And one final thing is, uh, is you, as we kind of get into what we think will happen into the game, you know, Monty Rice is out. You know, he opted out, which, hey, good for him. Get ready for the draft. I have no problem with any player that opts out because if my son were one of those players and they said, hey, you're going to be a first-round draft choice, I'd be like, son, it's time to opt out. Um, but I might have done it a couple of weeks, a couple months ago. To <laughs> right. right. Um, but if you think about, think about the linebacker play we've had since 2017, you had Roquan Smith, and then Monty Rice was kind of Roquan Smith light. I think with Monty Rice out, get to know Adam Anderson because he's going to be that guy potentially spying Ritter. Um, and maybe this is his uh, you know, coming out party because from what I've seen in the past couple of years I've been playing, limited time, I, I haven't seen that much of a drop-off when Adam Anderson's uh, playing that role. And, hey, Monty Rice was, was definitely Roquan Light, and I think he's going to do well in the NFL. Uh, I think we've got a couple more good years or at least one more good year with Adam Anderson as well. You're going to see him a lot on uh, New Year's Day. I'm getting excited about this game. I have to tell you. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just about to say, it's like I'm glad you said that because I've been trying to temper my excitement. And, um, you know, we are, we are uh, at least currently, we're, we're kind of in a little quarantine here at the house. And ordinarily we would have Tiffany and Wayne over to watch the football game. We're not going to do that. But I am um, – I'm really glad this game is at noon in a weird way. I, if I were going, I'd be like, oh, I can't believe it's a noon kickoff. But I, I, I want to get it out of the way. I want to like, get after it. And um, I, I'm, I, Will, I'm like you. I'm excited about to see what they can do because I was um, – I, I feel like we have seen Georgia play progressively better with Daniels at quarterback. And we um, – I, I think there's been three weeks of, of practice, save the three days they were off. If you know God, you know God willing, the creek don't rise and COVID come up. Uh, we uh, we're going to have most of the team around, and in the pra- it's just the practicing and having him get more and more comfortable with the, with his receivers, and the linemen being more comfortable with how he's going to move in the pocket, and learning the offense under Monken is. In a lot of ways, he's getting a mini camp that he didn't get to have in August, and that that makes me feel really good about how, how the game flow of the game is going to go. And defensively, even if LeCount shows up, starts, and leaves, it's it's really hard to overstate the importance of him going out there and practicing with the team after after having a bad motorcycle wreck after Kentucky, mm-hmm. and literally could be. I mean, this could be the last game we see him play. I mean, I, I don't think anybody said a word about him leaving, but I think everyone does assume he's going to. Uh, but the fact that he's out there with his team practicing and saying the words he's saying and being how he's being, man, it makes me feel like, I mean, it's not quite four guys saying they're going to come back for their senior year, but it's close. Uh, and it, it, I'm getting fired up about this. Ooh, all right. Let's run through a brick wall. 
Yeah, man. I so I, I think we should talk for a minute since you brought up Bert. Hey, Bert. Uh, hey, we Bert. should talk about some some coaching hires, particularly over in Athens, Athens East, and mm-hmm. in, in Columbia. Uh, <laughs> Shane Beamer's getting the band back together, guys. <laughs> uh, he, uh, I'm really surprised the the Mike Bobo him staying is weird to me, considering it felt like the team might have given up on him as interim. Uh, that's an interesting choice, Cotton. To see how it works out. But, uh, you know, Will Friend is now going to be the offensive line coach. Uh, John Rocker. No, not John Rocker. <laughs> Tracy Rocker. John, John I don't think John Rocker is he's, he's still trying to figure out how to get off the Q train. Yeah. Um, but, um, <laughs> John Rocker is definitely a member of Believes in Q. There is no – I don't know yeah, that, but I know that. He, John Rocker sitting in a hotel bar in D.C. right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, one more yeah. administration, he probably would have been the Secretary of the Interior by the end. But uh, yeah. anyway, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it sounds right. Um, but, you know, Tracy Rocker's there. Um, I, I mean, I assume John Janicek is. I don't know that for certain. Don't, don't side check that. Um, but, you know, that's, that's interesting. And Brian Harson at, uh, at at Auburn, um, that hire I, I reserve right to make fun of that hire. But the one thing I'll say about that hire is that that hire went from, wow, that's a flaming bag of poo to, yeah, they got the, one of the best coaches that could they could have gotten considering what was going on, and and that happened in a hurry. Um, again, I'm not certain. I, I I'm not 100 percent a believer in the well. He's not an Auburn guy. He can't recruit here and all that stuff. Um, you know, because Mississippi State ran off a really good coach and Joe Moorhead for that. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Auburn should be aiming higher than Mississippi State. Uh, God, I hope they don't. Uh, and, uh, and and then, you know, it, it looks like Tennessee's going to keep get to keep uh, Jeremy Pruitt. So good for them, I think, right? I think, I think it turned out to be a bad year to fire your coach, actually. It doesn't right? feel like there's a – like there is no – Kirby Smart or Luke Fickle out there, right? Like, it, it yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it, Illinois made one of the better hires for the program. They certainly made the most apt hire. I think that that whatever your whatever your thoughts about Bert, uh, he is a dude that likes to recruit big dudes that run into each other and play like people do at Iowa, Wisconsin, and Northwestern, and that's exactly yeah, from, why Illinois hired him. Yeah, he's from Prophetstown, Illinois, which is yeah. way up near the he Wisconsin. He does have border. an Iowa Hawkeyes tattoo, which is not everybody's favorite thing. But <laughs> that's okay. If you get to seven wins, everyone, no one's going to mind. Uh, but yeah, uh, he also pointed out during his interesting press conference that he had gained, uh, he said, and asked him what he's learned since from his first job in Wisconsin. He's like, well, I'm a different person that I'm uh, about. Uh, 40% heavier than I was then. And I got to say, Bert is, Bert is definitely, Bert is going now. And um, as I was like, Oh, there's a lot of those guys. Yeah, we needed some substance up there. Yeah, Give me a yeah. big old burly guy to go up to, uh, yeah. to the, and what's the, what's the, not Dairy Whip, what's the custard place around the corner? Ritter's. Is it Ritter's? Ritter's, Ritter's, yeah. The, uh, yeah. um, uh, orange whip, orange whip, orange whip. Um, but more to the point, more to the point, like, you know, I think that there are potential, I mean, Auburn, man, that guy better be good and he better be good fast. Because if he's not, the fact that he's not from round here yeah. is going to be a problem. It's going to be like a serious problem, just like it was with Moorhead. And, uh, and Illinois' hire is a culture, cultural and geographic fit. Like if it doesn't work, if he doesn't work, he's either gone or Illinois is a, just a lost cause of a job or both. 
uh, and I think that uh, uh, that it's a perfect fit uh, at Illinois for what Illinois wants, which is uh, someone that just plays like Iowa and Wisconsin and wins seven games a year. That's all they want. Bert should be if Bert can't do that. I don't know who Bert is. It feels like he was able to do that at Arkansas. Let's not forget. He did that for three years at Arkansas. And the Arkansas was a much worse fit than Illinois is. I think, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Now, I know, I've definitely found that the, uh, the difference, people in the Midwest are like, wow, what an awesome hire Illinois made. People <laughs> down here are like, why did you hire that retread idiot? So I think that speaks a little bit to how the different conferences see one another. But uh, certainly, I don't think he was as bad at Arkansas as uh, I, I, considering that I think Pittman is a better fit there. Uh, but uh, the guy in the middle wasn't. And, uh, and, and he fell off a lot worse. So for me, I think, he, I think Burt couldn't have stayed at Arkansas, but I think Illinois makes a lot of sense. And I Listen, pinstripe bowl or bust, guys. Uh, pinstripe bowl or bust, and I'll take it. Did I see that uh, Muschamp ended up in Michigan? What? Muschamp is the that. D coordinator in Michigan. Did I see that correctly? No. Hold on. Like, We're going to get Chad that. on that. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. That's the one thing about doing this via Zoom. We all have our computers available as opposed to, you know, just bourbon. I mean, I have there's, both. There's a, I will say that every uh, – just have doing a cursory search on this, that question of whether he would fit at Michigan, D.C. is what every Michigan fan site is arguing right now. So there must have been something. <laughs> there must have been some smoke there, uh, Scott. There's no okay. question. But okay. he hasn't been hired yet. He has certainly uh, not been hired yet. Yeah, there's yeah, plenty no, of Wikipedia articles Wikipedia page about hasn't that. been updated yeah. yet. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely so. some smoke. God. Oh, my God. Will Muschamp at Michigan. He is definitely not Michigan man material. Yeah, I mean, but he and Deerdorf could have a big time slack time. I mean, I mean, listen, you know, Get your I mean, souls off my something. I don't know. The dirty secret about Michigan football is they're like one more decade, like the one that they just had, away from being Nebraska. Oh yeah, they are <laughs> or Tennessee. They're, yeah, they're still a decade away from it. Like they're not. They're not. They. It's gonna take ten more years. But it can happen. <laughs> it can absolutely happen. And uh, I mean, the idea that the idea that Harbaugh, this savior, they like can't wait to get. The, they're hoping he takes an NFL job. They're hoping he gets the Lions job. They're hoping he goes somewhere. I think that speaks uh, wonders, uh, to say the very least. Let's see. Any other? I can't think of any other coaching uh, things. I did not set up fun office pools for the uh, for the yeah, bowl games because. I was uh, I was at Disney when those were happening when that happened. So um, I mean, half of them are going to get canceled anyway. So yeah, and, and it felt it felt like a weird year to do it. Plus, I I won the regular season. Congratulations! Uh, so since since Scott's not going to toot my horn, I have to toot my own horn. <laughs> um, the uh, he's he's yawning, which is no. Awesome. I'm looking. My my mouth <laughs> is agape because I'm I'm looking. You should put yeah. your glasses on. That way, we don't recognize. I know. You. I do need my um, glasses. But uh, you barely you know, I, won I think, by three points. I think it's it, how many points do you need to win by Scott? Well, I know. Um, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's. Uh, I, I I I would like to talk briefly about the college football playoff. Uh, as boring as it is, um, I have no I have no illusions about what's going to happen to Notre Dame uh, against oh, Alabama. Yeah. But somebody was going to be sacrificial. I mean, look, if you look at it this way, and I, I'm going to take Ohio State out of the conversation for right now, 
there's two teams that clearly, when they're full strength, are clearly better than every every other team, right? Uh, and then you turn around and, okay, you have to pick two more teams. Uh, you know, we've all known the Big Ten is a bunch of hypocrites anyway, and I don't mean that pejoratively. I just mean that as mm-hmm. a matter of objective fact. Yes. Um, the So, you know, it's, you have a team that passed the eye test in Ohio State. Uh, when the Big Ten, it's easy enough to put them in. Uh, and then you have to have a four team. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't like the approach of the college football playoff committee uh, routinely downgrading uh, G5 opponents. Um, but, you know, if you're going to pick a team, I'd rather them pick Notre Dame than Texas A&M. I'd rather pick them them pick them than the SEC championship loser. Um uh, speaking yeah, of, by the way, I went to. I, I had. To, I had a chance to go uh, on the way to Orlando. Uh, we the kids had never seen Florida Field. My wife had never seen Florida Field, so we drove to Florida Field. Well, lo and behold, Florida Field's open two days a year. This was one of the days because it was fall graduation. I saw this we yes. got to go on the field at Florida Field, which was kind of cool. Although I am so mad at myself for not recreating the, th- the show, shoe throw moment. I, I sent some pictures to our friend Zach out in Baton Rouge of where, um, not Cole Tracy, whoever the, the kicker is now for LSU, the view he had, except for it wasn't foggy. It was a beautiful sunny day. But we literally got to the Airbnb in Orlando, and I was mad but I because I forgot to recreate the shoe throw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the opportunity to do that and did not do it. I'm sure there was uh, a Max- minder somewhere that would have tackled you immediately and told you to delete your phone. Well, it's, you know, it's really funny. We show up, and my kids are like, are you not going to wear that Georgia hat? And I was like, you're damn right I'm going to wear a Georgia hat. Are you kidding me? So they get out in all their Oconee County gear. And I'm like, so you're afraid to wear a Georgia hat, but you know where the quarterback, the freshman quarterback in his first start that just beat them went to high school, right? And they're like, oh, God. They started trying to take off their Oconee shirts, which was kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> but it uh, that, that – uh, okay, the Clemson-Ohio State game. That game's going to be closer than we think, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Ohio State wins. Um, I still think Alabama's going to beat either of those teams and beat them badly, but uh, because they, they just, hey, I mean, they, they low-key have the, the team that LSU had last year. And there's no way around saying that other than just saying it. The reason we're not recognized in the same way is it's not, it's not uh, oh, God, where did this come from? It's just like, yeah, another, yeah, they were just, they were merely twelve and two last year, so this year they're going to be thirteen and zero and beat the crap out of everybody. The the difference there, the, if there is a difference, it's I like Mac Jones. Mac Jones is awesome. Is he Burrow? Oh, he, he's not Joey. No, he's not Joey. Yeah, Burrow. You're right. and I think that that is the difference, and and I think that's why I listen. I I have one rule in the playoff, which is to root against Dabo, and like that's my general rule across the board. But uh, I say that knowing that Ohio State's crappy too, and they're all there is there is uh, uh, there is uh, like it's. I mean, really they're no Penn State, but it's definitely very weird to live in a world where it's like, okay, well, of the most noble programs in the playoff, Alabama's in the top half. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> kind of a crazy thing to say out loud. Um, but anyway, the point is is that. Um, uh, that LSU team, I, we've made, I've made that comparison. That feels like last year's LSU team. 
I mean, Burrow did stuff last year that we don't see. I mean, he did it against Georgia in the SEC championship game. He did it against Clemson. He did it like, I mean, he did stuff that people aren't supposed to be able to do. And uh, can Mac Jones do that? I don't know. I don't know. I'll see. I, I think they'll destroy Notre Dame. I think it would destroy kind of pretty much. I, uh, I mean, this is going to come to surprise you as someone that's a co-host of a Georgia podcast, but I would argue the team that would give them the best game in that game right now would be Georgia. Uh, but alas, that's what happens when you lose to Florida on uh, Biden clinch it day. Um, so I would say that uh, I, I don't look. Pa- I I really I Alabama will be favored if they play Clemson in that game. But I don't know, man. I feel like uh, uh, I, I feel like Clemson's got a lot. To, like I feel like Clemson's in a good spot for that game. If they get there. yeah, Scott, you got us some trivia lined up. You got a book, didn't you? Get a trivia book for Christmas. Okay, this is a podcast, but he's showing us because we're on Zoom. Oh, it's like a yeah. calendar. It's one of these calendars that have been yeah, around for thirty those. years, but yeah, it does have those. some really good uh, random trivia about not only Georgia football, but basically Georgia equestrian, Georgia oh. track. Georgia baseball. I mean, they they packed 365 of them in here, so they had to dig deep for some of them. I, you know, I don't know. I haven't looked at all of them. I don't want to spoil my uh, surprise. I understand. So I've got other uh, trivia today. Let's do it. But first, dun, 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 I know that we haven't talked much about uh, Five Points Bottle on this podcast, but they are, oh, and Tony's holding his maker's mark that he bought and purchased at Five Points Bottle, but... Mm-hmm. I was in the car today, and I heard an interesting advertisement uh, from Five Points Bottle. Tony, have you heard what they're doing, or Will? Have y'all heard what they're what they're doing now? I've not. No, they, please inform me. If you happen to live in Clark County, you can order liquor, wine, and beer, and have it delivered oh. from Five Points Bottle. Uh, they're delivering to anybody in Clark County uh, through Cosmic Delivery. Uh, I just found that. Pretty innovative. Shout out to Kelly Gertz, by the way. Kelly Gertz is one of the people that pushed for that to happen. So shout out to Kelly Gertz. What is that? That's the Tony's app. Oh, that, Tony. That's oh, the yeah. app. The app that you can you can order on now. Of course, with Five Points Bottle, also with Northside and Westside Bottle Shop, you can order online. But I was uh, I was pretty struck by the fact that they're offering delivery. I was like, what a great idea! I don't know how it's legal, but I guess it is, and that's, that's a great idea. Everyone's doing what they can to help out any local business right mm-hmm. now. And uh, I think that's why it's legal. And uh, I think it it's good. just became legal in Georgia to deliver maybe this year yeah. uh, because there is an app called Drizzly that is coming. Uh, I've actually used that before. Uh, I think I used it in San Diego, uh, of all places, uh, which I think is genius. It's uh, basically Uber drinks. <laughs> and, um, yes. yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see that Sachin and them are getting on this because, uh, you know, I – I wish they delivered to South Oconee because uh, <laughs> running a little low out here. Well, you know, for the re- for the record, uh, we, I, I I am not I'm okay with being a middleman bootlegger. <laughs> uh, I'll just uh, go ahead and have it delivered to me. I'll leave it on the porch for you and just uh, drop a little twenty uh, down with it, and it'll be all yours. Hey, I'm happy to tip well and often. <laughs> all right, so um, I do have some trivia related uh, Peach Bowl Cincinnati stuff. Um, this really isn't trivia, but I, I was interested in this to see. We've been talking about the motivation that Cincinnati has. They have four Georgia players or four players that played high school ball in Georgia on their team. I think they're starting running back Charles McClellan. 
he's number zero uh, from Clinch County, so way down south. Oh, yeah. Um, they got that's where uh, the Bailey's are from. No, Bailey's are from Charlton County. My bad. Yeah, Folkestone, Georgia. Um, Michael Pitts from Stevenson High School. Uh, I don't know what position he plays because they they didn't put it on there. Uh, Elijah Ponder, <laughs> defensive, defensive tackle from South Cobb High School, and Peyton Singletary, a tight end from Thomasville. So another down south guy. Other thing before we get into the trivia, uh, two coach, well actually one coach and then one defensive assistant on Cincinnati uh, that you might have heard of that has SEC experience. Dan Enos is the um, offensive coordinator or passing game coordinator for Cincinnati. And if you don't remember, in 2018, he was the quarterback coach for Alabama when Tua set the world on fire. Uh, he was Before that, he was the Arkansas offensive coordinator. So he definitely has some experience playing Georgia. And then uh, our friend uh, from the Flats, John Tenuta. Old John Tenuta. Very really? old. He's a defensive assistant. He's kind of like the Butch Jones role uh, for Cincinnati. So uh, those are two names that Georgia fans will surely remember. So um, I guess my first question to y'all would be uh, a true or false question. Georgia and Cincinnati have played each other in football before. True or false? Hmm. Hmm. I'll gonna, answer, I answer this well. I know the answer. I'm going to go false. I know they played at least once. They have played at least once. In fact, they've played twice. This will be the okay. third matchup. Can you tell me uh, all the three places they will have played after they play on uh, on on Friday? No chance. I know they. I know that. I know they. I, I, well, I know they played Atlanta. Um, I have no idea because I think I want to say. During that really great run, maybe in 42 or 46, we played them. I know that. That's correct. Georgia so played. Huh? Athens. That's correct. Columbus. So oh. they've, they've had a home and home, basically. Nippert. Uh, okay. they play at Nippert? They did play at Nippert Stadium in yes. 1942. Charlie Trippy. Wow. Uh, it was the week. I remember reading about it. It was like they, they labeled it a trap game. Both teams were undefeated. Uh, Georgia, of course, went on to win the national championship that year. Uh, and Georgia had Alabama the week after, but beat Cincinnati 35 to 13 at Nippert Stadium in Cincinnati. And then in 1976, another very good Georgia team beat Cincinnati 31 to 17 in Athens. So yes, this will be the third matchup. Georgia is two and zero in the so series. So this will be the this will be the first time we played them without having won the SEC championship that season. Yeah, because they won it in 42 and 76. Yeah. So Peach Bowl. Can either one of y'all tell me how many times Georgia has played in the Peach Bowl and maybe what their record is, something like that? All right, let's see. Yeah, he's actually counting, and I'm just guessing. All right, you go go, ahead and guess. I'm going to go five. And I say that because I can only see Tony's left hand, and he hasn't used his right hand. Oh, he went to his right hand. I think it's six. Well, y'all are kind of both right. Tony, they will be playing the sixth time in the Peach Bowl. Okay. But my question was how many times have they played? So I'm going to have to give the correct answer to nice. Will. Tony, let's try to pay attention. Obviously, I calculated <laughs> that, and you were unsuccessful. So Georgia played Maryland, uh, 1973. That was their first one. They won They've been like three one-point games in this thing. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they lost to Syracuse in 89, uh, 19 to 18. And then, of course, we all remember the Virginias. That was that they my played. first. That was that was my first Peach Bowl. 
What, 95? 90. 90. Oh, for the Syracuse game. I remember I was at the I was at all three of the, the other ones. Uh, they lost to Virginia with Heinz Ward at mm-hmm. quarterback uh, with that kick return. Uh, they lost 34-27 in 1995, Ray Goff's last game. Um, they also beat Virginia three years later, 35-33. And then the last time they were in the Peach Bowl was 06, which I couldn't believe. Uh, they beat Virginia Tech 31-24. I counted Virginia three times, but that must have been – one of the other ball. 19 times we played them in the 90s. Yeah, it was 95, 98, and 2000. It was Ray Goff's last game was against Virginia, and so was Jim Donnan's. Huh, okay. Yeah. So the trick to surviving as a Georgia coach is don't play Virginia. In a Maybe it was a good thing yeah. that it was canceled earlier this year. It's a good thing. Yeah, I was going to say, otherwise Kirby Smart would have been hit by a truck. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> right after that uh, game. Or got COVID. Uh, another question. Where are the four venues that the Peach Bowl has been played? Okay, I was Ooh. thinking about this when you were talking about this. Okay, I'll, we'll do uh, this. Okay, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That's correct. Georgia Dome. That's correct. Was it ever played at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium? It was. Yes. From right. 71 That's to where 92. I saw them play Syracuse. From how many years? What years did they play? 1971 to 1992. Okay, good. Okay, so it's okay, good. So did they play a year at Grant? They did. Field. The first three Peach Balls were played at Grant Field from yeah. 68 to 70. Huh. I have been half tempted to go to this, by the way. The tickets are not insane, and I've never been to a bowl game, unless you count the national championship game. I've never actually been to a bowl game, so it's something I would like to do. But this feels like maybe not the year. Bowl games are fun. I am am on the record, and obviously we have been to some pretty awesome bowl games in the past couple of years, but uh, I've been to the Citrus Bowl. I've been to the Gator Bowl. I've been to the... I've been to the Peach Bowl. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's fun. It's just there's, it's just something fun about it. The, I will say that like uh, on the list of hey things I'm gonna do when this is all over, uh, being more loose about going to bowl games is definitely one of them. Yeah, I'm I'm I am keeping powder dry for the future. Yes. yes. Last question. Last trivia question. The Peach Bowl is the ninth oldest bowl game. Can you give me the top 10 oldest bowl games, starting All with right. the – you can either start with the oldest or the least oldest in the top Let's just 10. get our 10. We'll just get the 10. Yeah, we'll okay. There you go. And, and, before we, and before we start, are we talking about still being played? Correct. Yes. Good question. Okay. Good. All right. Yes. All right. Okay. All right. Let's hop potato this. I will start. Uh, Peach Bowl. That's correct. 1968 was the first one. Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is the oldest. It was established – in 1916, although I do want to add an addendum to this. Uh, the official, it says, it's been played annually since 1916, but it was first played, played in 1902. Right? Yeah. And the game, the reason football was removed from the Rose Bowl after 1902 is because the game was a complete blowout and they considered it boring. So they substituted for 14 years, and this is what's written, Roman-style chariot races and ostrich races replaced the football after the Rose Bowl parade for 14 years. That's got to be true. It's on the internet. So, I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, I have to say, that sounds crazy, but clearly you have never seen ostrich race. I'm sorry, but like... <laughs> true story. <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry. I've seen Swiss Family Robinson, so I remember that. <laughs> um, uh, the, the technically, is, is it... Count as the Rose Bowl being played this year? 
Because it's not being played at the Rose Bowl. And that's a good question. Yeah. Thank you. I'm a reporter. Um, okay. Uh, the Sugar Bowl. The Sugar Bowl is the fourth oldest. Uh, it is. It was played in 1935. Started. Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl was also in 1935. It's the second. I don't know why it was the second, but maybe it was played earlier. Uh, the Cotton Bowl. The Cotton Bowl is the fifth oldest bowl game. Started in 1937. Gator Bowl. The Gator Bowl is the sixth oldest well bowl done. game. Started in 1946. Okay, okay. The Liberty Bowl. The Liberty Bowl is the eighth oldest bowl game. Oof. Started in 1959. Good. Uh, Sun Bowl. The Sun Bowl is... Wait, you said sugar already, right? Yes. Okay, uh-huh. so the Sun Bowl is the fourth oldest bowl game. Before the sugar, in 1935, it was established. So you've got two left, number 10 and number 7. Um, okay, let's go with... We're not counting, like, the Senior Bowl or no, anything No, good like question, that. Okay. though. Yes. Um, is the Fiesta Bowl on there? It is. It's the <laughs> oldest bowl game. <laughs> what year did that start? 1971. 1971. That one's for all the Tostitos, I hear. And the Citrus Bowl. That's right. The seventh Good oldest job, bowl us. game. 1947, y'all. Win. I, let me tell you something. Growing up, I had the big book of bowls that went through oh, 1978, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And I was a huge fan of bowl games. By the way, with Virginia Tech not playing in a bowl game this year, Georgia now has the longest mm-hmm. active bowl streak, providing we get to Friday. Right. Um, I was say, let's make sure we get there. So yeah. that just I think that's kind of cool. Despite no the longer. fact there's 744 bowls now. Yeah, no, not this year there isn't. Um, and, right? and for what it's worth, I still miss the MicronPC.com bowl, <sighs> right. which yeah, Illinois did bowl. play in. Illinois did play in yeah. the Micron. That is very fun. If you ever get a chance to go look, if, if there were still a big book of bowls, go look at the bowls around like 1999 and 2000 and the random ass.com uh, roasting bowls. Did they play Penn State in that game? Uh, no, no, they didn't. That, that, no, that would have been Micron PC. I, I feel like it was like Virginia, actually. I feel like <laughs> now, they now, played now. two bowl games. Then? Yeah, now I'm gonna check. Now I gotta know MicronPC.com yeah. bowl, and we'll find out. Uh, um, yeah, my big book of bowls only had like there were only like 14 bowls in. Boom, Virginia UVA, is nice. correct. Yeah. They played two Virginia's- bowl games that year. Illinois won that game 63 to 21. Hey, the half line Illini. Yeah, Kirk Kidner, Neil Rackers. Good times. Rocky Harvey, fun team. So I guess we need to make our picks on the the Peach Bowl, right? Should we should we do the national cha- the 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 playoff games first? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, Scott go first. Well, I think that Alabama's going to beat Notre Dame, and it's going to be a name your score. It's going to be a running clock fourth quarter type thing. Uh, I don't think it'll be close. I think it'll be quite uneventful and boring. Uh, I'll say Alabama wins just because they can, 56 to 11. <laughs> I'll say can. <laughs> That's got to be a scoregami somewhere. That's got to be a scoregami at some point. 
Um, yeah, I'm I'm picking Alabama, huge, 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 and, and I don't want to blame Notre Dame for it, but um, uh, but yeah, I think they, I think they kill them. Yeah, I mean, probably not forty points, but yeah. And then as for uh, uh, Clemson and Ohio State, I'm kind of with you, Will. If Dabo can lose a game and I can watch him whine and cry and make excuses in a post game press conference and act all high and mighty, I'm all for that. I am absolutely no fan of Ohio State. Um, but, you know, I think it, Atlanta's uh, future draft pick of Justin Fields is going to show out and win the game. It'll be an exciting one 42 38. I feel like. There's been there's been increasing argument recently about whether or not Ohio State, by having only played as many games as they have, are going to be missing some important stuff in there. And like like what they played what five six games they only played like six games. Six, where was Georgia six games into the year? Right? Was that that was that, that was Florida? Florida was it even think, before yeah. Florida? Yeah, and like Georgia had not even found itself yet. Right? They hadn't even figured out who they are. Uh, I also I don't think Fields has been quite. He's been good. He's incredibly talented, but accuracy wise, he hasn't been awesome this year. Uh, they've and they really have not played anybody. Uh, Indiana's their in retrospect is their only good win, and they barely won that game. Uh, so I have to say I feel like this is going to be a blowout. I feel like Clemson kills him. I'm going to say forty uh, one. 17. Wow. I, um, I'm just in a different place. I, I, I mean, I don't think it's I, – I think I think Clemson wins the game. Uh, I think this is going to be probably probably the best uh, game outside the Georgia game to me, um, just in terms of how they match up. I just think Clemson's defense – I think you're right. I think, I think there's going to be some things that they're not quite there on – not to mention when you get a quarterback that can do a lot of different things. We saw that against Indiana. Uh, in particular, Ohio State struggles um, or can struggle. Um, I don't think this game's going to be terribly high scoring. Um, give me you know, 31-24 uh, Clemson. But uh, it's going to be more interesting than, 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 than what y'all are seeing, at least in my mind. And then as for uh, the Peach Bowl, noon o'clock on uh, January 1st, 2021. I think uh, it's going to be another JT Daniels showing out. Uh, I definitely think that the first couple quarters will be the feeling out. Uh, I hope it's it's more of like a, you know, Jake Fromm versus Mississippi State, you know, flea flicker. And if there is a flea flicker, please at me on Twitter uh, because I want to see one that actually goes more than three yards this year. Um, But I, I look at... Really, the Georgia defense, it's like what I said earlier in the podcast, they're first in uh, rushing yards per game, or uh, yeah, allowed, uh, rushing yards allowed per game at 69.3. And I think that, um, you know, Cincinnati is being touted as having the dual threat, uh, a wide open offense, but, you know, if they can shut down the run, which I think they'll be able to, then that makes them a whole lot more one dimensional. I'm talking about Cincinnati on offense. And, uh, and, yeah, we're going to have fun tweeting each other, texting each other about some of the younger guys on defense going like, dude, these guys can play. 
And LeCount will hopefully be out there uh, ball hawking, maybe two interceptions for him, <laughs> and uh, just showing out and, you know, how he always does, you know, so excited to just to be playing the game of football. But um, I think JT Daniels comes around, the receivers, Pickens, uh, White running the ball. I mean, it's just going to be it's, it's just going to be kind of tried and true Georgia football that we saw at the end of the year and what Georgia football has always been. So I like Georgia to win this game, not going away, but it becomes comfortable towards the end. Uh, let's say 38 and Cincinnati 27. Uh, I think this game ends up being a little bit more low scoring. Uh, mm-hmm. I also feel like it's going to be harder for Daniels to get some of those um, jump ball balls that he's always talking about and those throw up the pickets and throw up those guys. I think it's a little harder uh, against Cincinnati. I don't think Georgia's played a defense this good in a while, <laughs> to be honest, um, perhaps maybe even this season. Uh, I think it's lower scoring than, get, than that. Uh, but I do think this is... It's been a while since uh, Kirby's really been able to do some man ball. And I feel like this is maybe a man ball game. I feel like this is maybe a, uh, uh, hey, so, um, uh, hey, uh, hey, AAC team, uh, what do you think about our linemen that are this huge and can do this? What do you think about us ramming the ball down your throat? That seems like it makes a lot of sense as a strategy for this game. And I do think that that's where the talent disparity uh, is most clear. So I think that Cincinnati is also, because they're a dual-threat team, uh, I actually feel more comfortable Georgia stopping the run right now than necessarily stopping the pass. Uh, I like Georgia in this game. Not a blowout, because I think Cincinnati will be motivated, and I think they might take an initial punch. But I think in the long run, this feels like a Kirby Smart A. You know what? The thing that I've built here is lasting and is going to work, and it's going to be able to work against a team like this. I'm going to take Georgia 31 and Cincinnati 17. I'm so glad you said that, Will, because that's exactly where I was. I'm like, you know, look, do not be surprised if we're down 10 points early. Um, I, I think, especially considering they played in the last couple of weeks, we haven't played since we could give hugs. I don't know. <laughs> um, the you know I think there's going to be uh, an acclimation period for Georgia. But what ultimately sways me is that is there is a talent disparity, uh, particularly as it relates to. Um, the offensive line and our ability to move the ball around to different running backs uh, and, and their defense. Uh, I, I agree with Will. I don't think we're going to be in a position where we can go deep. You can go ahead and take Graham out of the equation. There is no need. They're going to have Graham on Pickens. Don't be surprised if we don't get that many of those um, 50-50 balls to Pickens uh, if for good reason. Uh, if we do, we win big. But if, if we get them, we win big. But I just don't... I think Monken's probably a little um, savvier than that. Uh, I, I think also that the the defenses here are the two best sides of the ball uh, for both teams, which means a lower scoring game. It also means that we could be in a little bit of a dogfight into the fourth quarter, but end up getting the ball back with six minutes left and just run the ball down their throat uh, with a four point lead. Uh, so uh, let's go with that. I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, the ultimate thing being a couple of James Coley, I'm sorry, James Coley, James Cook swing passes, mm-hmm. Kendall Milton getting some long runs, and uh, Samir White showing out a little bit before uh, he goes or hopefully stays 
Uh, give me Georgia 31, uh, Cincinnati 27. All right. So, I'm ready well, guys. To, I've been ready to watch that little football. I got to tell you, like, I, I listen, we are turning the page to 2021. It is a new year. It is new across the board. Uh, I'm excited. I, I, uh, there's going to be a, there's going to be a start to everything. We're about to get through this stuff. The vaccines are coming. Do you guys? Know, I actually know a few people who have been vaccinated. Do you guys know anyone? Yeah. That's been vaccinated? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think like we great. know some of the same people, but yeah. 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 It's great. Like it's just. I mean, we're still a long, hard road ahead of us, but it's hard not to feel like a little inspired by the fact that there are people getting vaccinated right now. Uh, yeah, all you thin people out there, I'm actually in a high risk group, so ha, or something. Um, <laughs> it's true. Never, it's true. Never you been th- so proud to be obese. To be um, clear, to be clear, you thin uh, ICU nurses that are getting vaccinated should feel terrible, and I hope that no, you no, no. I, I met I met you and Scott with. Your I'm not. I haven't gotten vaccinated, and I'm not. <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying. No, I'm saying. And I'll also, give it you for look y'all good, will. by the way. I don't like this idea that I, I don't like what you. you're saying. It's, it's, I'm, good. I'm wearing bigger clothes. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's interesting you said that because I was just about to say, because I mean, so Will in his uh, newsletter, you should su- subscribe at uh, Will Leach subscribe. William F. Leach dot Substack. Yeah, Don Substack. Uh, in his year-end newsletter, which is kind of always a big deal, he included a, uh, a screenshot from our first Zoom podcast after the pandemic struck. And uh, it, it really made me feel some sort of way because we have, uh, we've, we, in a weird way, we have maintained some regularity. It's just mm-hmm. probably the one of the most consistent things I have done. And I greatly look forward to it. And even though we're doing it via Zoom, we're, hey, guys, where did Scott go? No, I'm taking, a, I'm taking a screenshot photo, so smile. I can't even find him. Everybody smile. All right. <laughs> the, um, so the, you know, but it, it, does, it does provide me an awful lot of um, umph, if you want to look at that way, to be able to talk with y'all, whether it's in person or via Zoom, and to get to, um, I, I'm just happy Scott hits record every week because uh Honestly, if even if he didn't, I'd still want to do this. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. And this in uh, next year, I mean, by next fall, I think we're going to be in. I mean, depending on how much obstruction continues to happen, uh, we seem to be in a potentially good situation here to where the, things might be as close to normal as we could hope uh, by next fall. Uh, I have to tell you, I got my hotel room for Charlotte. Uh, that weekend, just the other day, and I'm yeah, hopeful. man, I'm hopeful for it happening. And so, uh, I, well, I can't wait for you to sit in my lap while we podcast. Of course, of course. Oh, I mean, I we always do that all the time. Anyway, I don't know why it would be any different now. This that, that's that to me has been the strangest part of doing this over Zoom is that I'm not in Waller's lap. It's been difficult to to do a podcast sitting on a chair rather than just a chair. Um, all right, gents. Well, uh, we'll be texting during the game, and we'll we'll do a little post game. I think we can do a little post game, yeah. uh, set it up, and then uh, and then once we once you clear your everybody gets their their quarantines cleared, we'll get back and we'll all uh, get up and uh, and uh, get back together again. And before you know it, before you know it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be September, and uh, we're gonna all be. Uh, will you guys go? Do you guys want to go? If everything's clear, let's all go to Charlotte. Next. Yeah, we've never. Oh, I'm planning. Yeah, I'm planning on going. Yeah. 
Oh, I'm playing a Golden I'm the one, Charlotte. I'm the holdout that hasn't been going to games uh, on road trips. Like, I didn't go to Notre Dame and LSU, and I'm, I kind of miss those. So, yeah, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. We were going to go Alabama this year, too. We were going to do Alabama yep. this year, but uh, maybe it's for the best uh, as well. All right, gents. Uh, be safe. Happy New Year, uh, everyone. And uh, be safe out there. And uh, better times are ahead for all of us, and it's very exciting. All right. Uh, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. Be sure to tune in for the post-game show. Yeah, we're going to do a post-game Peach Bowl podcast episode. Um, that should be out sometime on Saturday or Sunday. So uh, really wanted to thank all of y'all for your attention, um, all of y'all sharing our episodes throughout the year. And we look forward to doing it again in 2021. Uh, it's been a strange one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, from the bottom of my heart, uh, it means a lot to me when some of y'all see me out and come up and say something, and I know it does for Tony and Will as well. So uh, enjoy the game. Hope the dogs win. Uh, happy New Year. Have a safe New Year. And, yeah, we'll see you on campus sometime really soon. And as always, go dogs.